Hey there, it's Cold Cabana. Thank you so much for checking out the past shows from the archives. All the past ones in this feed are ad-free. I took out all the ads. If this is something you like, you can listen to every single episode of the Art of Wrestling podcast dating back to 2010, absolutely ad-free for only $4 a month on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Cold Cabana. All right, enjoy the show. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler Colt Cabana. All right, how you guys doing? Come on in, sit down, relax, put in those tweaked audio earbuds because you're about to listen to the Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast, a life podcast, a personal journal and entryway into the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host. My name is Colt Cabana. I am a Chicago native. I am a man who's appreciating the beautiful weather here in Chicago, not necessarily in Newfoundland, Canada, but most importantly, I am a professional wrestler as I do sit here live in the studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Before we go any further, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you. We do give it to you free of charge every single Thursday on WeLoveColt.com and on iTunes. Uh, Let me tell you, I enjoy giving it to you for free. I do not ask that you give anything that you cannot give. Uh, It is my gift to you, no problem. If you do want to support, you can go on iTunes, leave a review, Five stars. Just say some words in there. Uh, Anything helps because it helps review and it helps uh, get some eyes and some ears on the podcast in that iTunes world. Also, tell a friend. Let somebody know what's going on. Let somebody know what we're doing over here. I think it's a really special podcast. Very proud of it, obviously. I've been doing it for 86 weeks now. And uh, spread the word. If you do have a couple bucks and you like that I'm doing this, that I do do it free of charge, pro bono, pro boner, uh, you can head over to coltmerch.com where I have T-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, DVDs, and much more. I'll tell you a little bit about something I have. I have a poster, uh, stick figure. It's one of my favorite arts uh, art that I've ever had to sell. A uh, stick figure poster, and it's also a T-shirt. It's drawn by the very talented Jill Thompson, who uh, fairy godmother and beast of burden. And I want to tell you a little bit more. Uh, Jill Thompson has a brand new book that she has illustrated for, and it's all wrestling related because uh, Tommy Dreamer's wife Beulah McGillicuddy, yes, Beulah McGillicuddy, uh, she wrote it. Jill Thompson illustrated it. It's called Gertrude the Great. It's at getgertrude.com. That's where you can find. Uh, Jill's awesomely illustrated book done by Beulah McGillicuddy. And if you want more stuff at my store, again, that's coltmerch.com. Tyson Kidd was my guest this week. Tyson Kidd, one of the most underrated professional wrestlers in all of professional wrestling at the moment, and maybe even the history when it's all probably said and done. Sat down with him uh, at his house with his cats, his disgusting cats. Oh, I hate cats only because I'm allergic. If I wasn't allergic, I would probably love them. Uh, but I, I do love Tyson, uh, formerly TJ, a guy who has traveled all over the world to finally get where he has gotten, former WWE Tag Team Champion and just a, a workhorse, a, a work-rate animal, a guy who is uh, in such ring shape, it's crazy, and uh, one, of, one of my good friends. So it was fun to sit t- down and talk to him. I was in New York, though, this past weekend, and I was on a show with... What was supposed to be Matt Hardy and Sid, and I even said it on the podcast, but Sid decided to no-show. And one of the promoters, Pat Buck, got in the middle of the ring, and he called up Sid, and he, uh, in front of everyone, left a voicemail 
telling him what a you know what a jerk he was for not getting on the flight, not coming to the show, and he uh, held up the microphone and the phone, and the whole crowd then booed, which was a lot of fun. But I think the most fun then came is when he uh, told everybody else to go ahead and call him. He said, hey, you guys can call him too and tell him how disappointed you are that Sid didn't show up. Then he gave his phone number out on the show, on the PWS show. And uh, so right now I have Sid's phone number. And, uh, hey, I'm one of those people too. So I said, hey, we might as well give him a call and ask him why he wasn't on, right? So uh, here we go. Going to fire it up. And uh, just like Bad Buck asked, gave out his number. I think I'm going to give... Uh, Old Sitsky, a ringski. Hello? Hey, is this Sid? Hey, Sid, how you doing? Cole Cabana live on the Art of Wrestling podcast. Now, a lot of skeptics are saying that you didn't show up at PWS show the other night in Rahway, New Jersey. They're saying that for some reason maybe you lost your, your wallet at the deli. A lot of lies going on. No one really knows what to believe. What do you have to say to the skeptics? You know what, Cole? As far as the skeptics go, oh, uh, I messed it up. Let's, let's take that again. We're live, pal. Oh, all right. Listen, anybody... Who has any doubts will get their answers tonight. You know what? I don't like that. Let's do this one more time. Let's take it from the top. This, this is still, this is where we're recording here. This is a podcast. You know, I never understand that. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, all right. Good, good. Well, you didn't answer the question. I mean, what's what's the story, Sid? You know what? I got to go play some softball, and I don't have time right now to deal with this. So you, you have no answers then? So while I was in New York, it was not just professional wrestling. I took in a couple different adventures, although PWS was a great show. Very diverse, a very different locker room full of a lot of different fun characters. And uh, I thought it was a very successful show, despite, you know, Psycho said no showing. That's his fault. He missed out. Thursday night, I uh, performed at the very famous UCB Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Uh, that, the comedy nerd in me. Love doing that, and that was something very special for me to perform there. That was the Thursday night show. It's Cage Match. It's professional wrestling themed with the UCBW. That's their wrestling aspect of the UCB. And then Wednesday, I was a special guest on the Chris Gethard Show, which is on MNN Public Access TV, but it's also uh, streams live on, uh, I believe, Ustream, and it's a podcast on iTunes. And please go back and watch that. It was an hour show. It was, I believe, titled... Uh, the Culture Show with Colt Cabana. It's on the Chris Gethard Show, his podcast. It's very fun. It's very different. It's very out there. And become a fan of his, just like you became a fan of Stu's and became a fan of all these guys uh, you know, that I talk to. But I want to talk a little bit more about Chris Gethard. He's, uh, he's a comedian. He's, and I feel that we have very parallel lives. He, was, uh, he had been you know, chipping away at the UCB Theater and the New York scene and comedy for 10 years and finally got his big break as a on Comedy Central on a show called Big Lake. Uh, it was produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay and starred Horatio Sands and Chris Parnell. And uh, this nobody was all, gonna, all of a sudden going to you know, come to this somebody uh, on Comedy Central, get his big break out of left field, and his path was going to take off. And unfortunately, it was, I think, six episodes. It didn't last very long. A lot of you guys probably don't even remember the show. And, uh, you know, right, a guy like him, that's it. You know, you're supposed to quit, right? And no, he's starting this kind of underground movement with the Chris Gethard show, and he's doing his own thing, and he has this fun little internet following. 
and uh, and it speaks to me kind of in the same vein of, of my career and. and what Chris does, I think, is very special. And I remember he was on a show called Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, which I'm a big fan of also. I recommend finding that on iTunes. And he told a story of how he he just, uh, he just he brought out a fan to, to UCB in New York. And I don't remember where the fan was, but it's just somebody that wasn't able to experience these experiences that they had in life before. And uh, it spoke to me because he was able to do that, and he did it. And, and I think to myself, well, I'm able to do that. Uh, you know, that wh- that seems like a lot of fun. We have a little community here. Why don't I give out? And I always think, you know, I do do charitable things that I've worked with the Special Olympics for, and, you know, I've given back, and I do what I can. But uh, I want to be able to, to kind of give back to the people I know, and that's you guys. And uh, so I've paired together. Listen to this. We were, I'm doing something here. We're making something happen based off of the success. I, I'm not saying I'm a rich man by any means, but uh, and I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a, I'm doing decent. I, you know, but I am doing okay. But I collect all these miles from flying all over the place, and uh, and you know, with Colt merch and you guys supporting, I've been able to to make a couple bucks, and and I want to give back, and I don't want to give back to anybody I don't know or whatever. Uh, I want to give it in the community. So uh, I reached out to Chikara, and me and Chikara uh, are together going to pair with this because they're going to you know give the free tickets, and they're going to be supportive. Uh, we're going to do a special... I don't know. I, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. This is just this is for you guys, and uh, it's a it's a free wrestling trip. And here's the details, real quick. We'll we'll announce it right here. I'll announce it. Um, basically, I, I want to. Are you somebody who's listened to the podcast, who has followed independent wrestling? Are you somebody who has uh, heard about all these names and read on the internet, but just have no access to it? Uh, I want to fly you to the Chikara pay per view, and I want you to watch the show. Uh, I want you to sit behind my gimmick table, and I want you to sell gimmicks with me, and I want you to hang out with the locker room, and I want you to be a part of professional wrestling. I want to bring you in. I want you to have a good time. Uh, so the details are you got to be 18 to, I don't know, 26-ish, right? I, I want this to be a young person, but you, you, you have to be old enough that I don't have to have your mother or, or father to sign off to this. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you out. I'm going to pay for your travel. I'm going to pay for your hotel. I'm going to get you to the show. Uh, I'm going to buy, you know, Chikara's going to buy your tickets. And we're going we're gonna to give you the, you know, the greatest, uh, we're going to give you the greatest time that you can have as a professional wrestling fan because you're not available or able to do it or have the means to do it. And we're going to allow it to you. I'm going to allow it to you. Chikara's going to allow it to you. And I think this is, you know, my way of giving back to the wrestling community and the Art of Wrestling podcast and uh, all the people who love independent wrestling and, and just think it's so far away that they can't touch it, um, that you will be able to touch it. So uh, uh, ChikaraPro.com for, for, I guess, all the information. Uh, basically what you're going to do is send a 90-second to two-minute video just explaining who you are, why you're going to do it. Uh, you know why this would be great for you. It's on YouTube. Put it on YouTube and send the link to free wrestling trip at gmail.com. And uh, if you don't have YouTube or access to a video or access to a cam or anything, I understand that. It will also read uh, your posts. It can't be more than a thousand words. And you can uh, write a little bit of an essay or maybe send a picture. I don't know. You could also send that to free wrestling trip at gmail.com. Uh, that's going to be for uh, Chikara's iPay-Per-View, Chikarasaurus Rex, How to Hatch a Dinosaur, June 2nd in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We're going to fly you to Philadelphia, put you up, let you have the, the most fun that you could possibly have. 18 to 26-ish. Uh, we want to we want to show you that there's there's good things in life and good things can happen to you. So send all that information and check ChikaraPro.com for more information. And I'm you know doing something for you, but honestly, it's it's for me. It, it makes me happy, 
and I love the fact that I can do this, that you guys have supported, and some of you guys who are doing all right, and you come to the show, and listen, this isn't something new. Uh, Greg H. is a guy who's been doing this for years, so like Greg H. should be applauded, but you know, I have the ability to do this for this show, and I'm going to do it, and it makes me feel happy, and I couldn't be happier to do it. For you guys, go on over, check out the, the website, and uh, win a free wrestling trip to come see Chikara in Colt Cabana. Song of the Week this week, of course, by the other Calgarian, Brett the Hitman Hart. He, uh, he gets in the old music box and he sings us a song. Here is Never the Right Time to Say Goodbye by Bret Hart. Enjoy it, because I know I do. Then we'll be back. We'll have a nice, fun conversation with Tyson Kidd. There's no way to make this easy. And I know we've been through some good and troubled times. There's never been a right time to say goodbye. But if I stay, she'll only see right through me. And then that look of shame inside my eyes. So I'd rather turn away. Cause things you're gonna say will break her heart and make her cry. There's never been a right time to say goodbye. To say goodbye. Never deceive her in that way. But either way, she'll end up crying. And I'd sooner walk away and let her love again. But anyway, our love's dying. There's never been a right time to say goodbye. To say goodbye. These fucking things. <laughs> They're great. This guy just been at the vet all day or all, all last week. So I might die during this thing. Oh, you're allergic to cats. Here with Tyson Kid. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Cold, how you doing, man? You're really proud of these guys, by the way. Yeah, I love both these cats. This guy's the. He's got his own Twitter and everything. Does he? Yeah, not not made by me. Not made by uh, by Natty. Made by fans. <laughs> really? I, he's a. Uh, he's a lot more over than me. I've seen fans in the. This is Gizmo. Yeah, this is the legendary Gizmo. Oh, I've she seen, loves Gizmo. I've seen fans make signs for Gizmo in the front row. <laughs> really? Not joking around. And I saw one. In I, Calgary or just No, anywhere? no, not in Calgary. Like at random places. Last year's Royal Rumble had a Gizmo, Lay Cool Fears Gizmo sign. Somebody in the front row. <laughs> and I think two weeks ago I saw a Gizmo is a broski sign. Yeah. And I mean, unless they mean Gizmo from Gremlins, but I'm pretty sure they mean this Gizmo. Sure. You got another one, right? Yeah, Charlotte. She's a little black cat that we rescued from. Uh, from Gizmo needed a friend. Yeah, Gizmo. We were on the road so much, and I think he was getting lonely. Whenever we'd come home, he's like, I mean, he still is like that, but he just had to be attached to us. What were uh, like? When did you get this thing? Um, well, the story is it's actually uh, Brooke Adams missed 
Taskmaster? Taskmaster. Well, what's, I don't know. Taskmaster? What? Yes, that? she's the Taskmaster. She's the Taskmaster. I don't know. When she was Tess in... Taskmaker? Uh, I believe. Okay, we'll say that. Yeah, why not? She, uh, This was her cat, and I guess her boyfriend at the time when she moved to Florida didn't... Uh, he's kind of like the Colt. He, the Colt way. He didn't like cats. So, oh. So then she stayed at our house the first night. She couldn't get her keys to her apartment and said... He he slept in our room that night, and he just she said we could try him out for two weeks. If we didn't like him, give him back. Oh, that's a good way. At yeah, least. it's kind of like the total gym. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, money back guarantee. So I mean, we've had him ever since. So four years. If only you had Chuck Norris. Also, yeah. If only Chuck Norris could just come to your house for two weeks. Imagine. Hang out and get rid. Imagine. Ma- if anything's possible with Chuck Norris. Gives you that endorsement. You can do anything. Yeah. Did you, were you around? Um, so wait. Uh, I mean, so you were hanging around WWF guys a little bit then. When did Chuck Norris enforce for Jeff Jarrett? Were yeah, you, yeah. Were uh, you hanging around then? Yeah, I was around 94. Were Survivor you? Series 94, right? I, w- I wasn't there for that, but I was around the family at the time. Yeah. Were you? Okay. Um, yeah, let's, I, can we, let's talk about you wrestling at like 10 on a WWF show? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I was 16. You were 16. Yeah, Harry was 11. I think we talked about this one with Harry. Okay. Did I talk about that? Um, I think so. But I mean, would it? So, so you had a dark match. Yeah, it was um, it was a live event, and uh, Davy Boy had come up to us one day to Harry and I and said, "Hey, I'm going to get you guys a match on the house show coming up in at the Saddle Dome." And we're like, "What's the Saddle Dome?" Calgary? Uh, the Saddle Dome's yeah, the arena in Calgary. Yeah, and I was like, "Of course, we're going to say yeah," but you know, you think, "Okay, this is one of those definitely it's too good to be true, it's not going to happen type situations." So. Then next thing you know, Carl DeMarco, who was the president of WWE Canada at the time, he... I like how you said WWE. WWF. If, if it's at the time, man if it's at the time, it's WWF Canada. Right. So he calls... Uh, he always liked Teddy Hart, and he called him up and said, hey, not? hey, I've known him for 21 years, right. so you have to. Uh, so he calls him up and said, hey, you guys are doing this tag match. So it kind of turned to a tag, and then... Um, when when he kind of got the calls, I guess when it was basically confirmed because he booked the uh, the Canada shows as far as I know, and then uh, we we knew about confirmed probably about four or five weeks in advance, and we just go practice this match, and this match that we were practicing, it, obviously it didn't look like this, but in our minds it was the WrestleMania main <laughs> event that you've ever seen. I was. I was taking a backdrop over the top rope to the floor and in like almost like a 450 bump and like it was what you and Harry. It was me and a friend of ours named Andrew Pekarnik against Ted, Teddy and Harry. And and, uh, and who was the oldest? The oldest would be Teddy, and then me. At what 17? No, he was six. He's a few months older than me. He was 16 he was... as well. And uh, yeah, so we're just all you know, all kids sitting there. Make coming up with this whatever we could possibly do that made you know no sense or probably didn't even look right, but we're just trying to do whatever. Hey, let's try this. And on that backdrop spot, I was like, Hey, hey, Ted, I bet when we do it, I could probably hit that barrier. And imagine like if you go to a show, a WWF show, and you're the main event, Shawn Michaels versus Vader, and like Undertaker's on the card, and Triple H and Goldust, Owen Hart, Bulldog. You see these guys, and imagine if you were to see these. Kids and 60, and I probably looked about 10. Good Lord, yeah. And imagine me taking some bump over the top rope into the barrier, and that's within the first five minutes, and we thought we had, like, this 20-minute match planned <laughs> out. Come on. At the time, I, the time, I couldn't understand why when they came and talked to us and kind of gave us the rules that night, 
about an hour before we went out, they said, hey, you guys got five minutes. Uh, when, Earl Hebner, when I start playing with my tie, Earl Hebner is going to tell you guys that that's time to go home. Who's, who said that? Uh, Jack Lanza. So Jack Lanza sitting at ring. Yeah, and he says that's the old pencil. Yeah, the yeah, the old, the old, the old uh, carny tricks. Yeah. When I touch my tie, and don't hit the stunt granny. <laughs> yeah, don't forget about old stunt granny on the signs. You right. can rip the signs. Yeah. And uh, but it was weird. He wasn't didn't really even get our attention. He wasn't like, hey guys, listen up. He just he sat across from us and he just started saying these rules. And we're like so nervous. We're sitting in the locker room with all these guys. We're just. And then I said, hey, Ted, I think he's talking to us. Like, uh, not in a disrespectful way, just total oblivion. And we're, next thing you know, he said, no, two guys on the floor at the same time. And I was like, oh, we have this dive spot and we have this. He said, no fighting on the floor at all, five minutes. And all of a sudden, our world's like come crashing down in terms of we're not pros. We can't just, you know, go in there and kind of wing right. it yeah, by any means. This is a, we've been practicing this match for a month and a half every day after school. And who's, who's like, the, the ringleader in there practicing? Is somebody, like, or you guys just practiced, you just made it all up on yourself, or? Yeah, it, it was us, you know, watching a bunch of, just watching a bunch of tapes and then kind of taking a little bit from here right. and a little bit from there and kind of figuring out what we thought we could do. And we, I remember we showed Davey a few of our spots, a few things. We would never show them the full. And we, uh, you know, he thought we were doing some really cool athletic stuff. Sure. But it, it was... We went earlier in the day and had gone over it with the ropes really loose, and we did this match in, like, I think we timed it one time, and it was something like 18 minutes. Like, <laughs> but in your head, you, you assume that, like, you're going to get this 18 minutes, you're going to win them over, they're going to are they going to sign you? Uh, Do you think they're going to sign you? Or no, I'm going to finish school, then they'll sign okay, me for sure. Right. One, I have another year of high school, sure. then I'm signed. Oh, my God. It's the crazy. so hard to play out. It played out. Uh, we had five minutes. Um, I'm in the ring with Ted. Earl Hebner is telling me he's getting the signal. It's time to go. It's time to go. We're nervous. You know, dry mouth as hell. Can't talk. I'm like, hey, Ted, I think we got to go. And Ted's just in the zone. And he's just going to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I'm going along with it. But I'm like, Ted, Ted. And finally, Earl Hebner tells, he says, if you guys don't finish right now, I'm going to end this match and we're all going to look like idiots. And I'm like, Ted. And he kind of snaps out of it. And then he's like, what? I said, we have to go. And he goes, oh, okay. Tags Harry, sets me up. So now we're kids. Okay, here's our finish. He sets me up on the top rope. He tags Harry. He superplexes me off the top, and Harry headbutts me off the top. So, like, power and glory meets the Bulldogs, kind of. Right. Harry's 11 years old doing this top rope <laughs> headbutt. He probably looked as old as me, and I'm, you know, 16 looking about 10 or maybe 11, you know. Right. Oh, my God. I, and then in the end, you know, uh, Davey and those, they seemed happy with it. And, uh, well, no one's, is no one getting mad? Is no one going to get mad at you because Davey is. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, there's a story to that. So we're in the back and we did the superplex, both guys off the top. Now, Ted is like selling his neck that he hit his head, but Harry's mom is worried about me because we did these two back suplex spots and I got confused with them because I thought we were going, finishing sooner. So on one, I tried to back do a full moonsault bump, backflip bump, and Ted was thinking we were just doing the normal one. So that was straight on my head. And then we, Ted went to do the other one. I'm thinking the other one, different page. You right were up. at minute 14. Yeah, and right? he, he, he was still back at minute 10. And right. then right on my head, two in a row. So now he's selling his head after the superplex. So Harry's mom's mad about that. And uh, there's a picture in the newspaper of perfectly me landing on my head in the suplex. Oh. And uh, Barry Windham was the stalker at the time, and his finish is a superplex. And he comes into this room, and it, 
this is like if you know Teddy Hart, what you do, this is classic, classic Teddy Hart. Me, I'm scared. Barry Windham comes into this room and goes, hey, guys, good match, but you did my finish. Okay, so at the time, I don't understand wrestling rules very well right. by any means. Okay, and I'm just like, oh, this guy seems kind of serious, and he's a pretty big guy, and I'm really, really small. I'm kind of, okay. I'm, he's got all this crazy camo on. and he's, Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he had the face paint on the house shows, but he did have the camo. And Ted... Ted, as if anyone knows Ted, he has been exactly the same since I've known him at 10 years old. Ted says, no, actually, Barry, um, <laughs> the, the difference is you, when you do your superplex, you're standing on the second, and we did it both guys on the top. We took, you know, went to that next level, and I'm just like and, – and then by the biggest fluke, Davey walked in and uh, maybe Owen too. And Barry's like, ah, oh, no, just kidding, guys. Great match. And walked out. But, like, to be honest. See it on his face? Yeah. You know, and to be honest, he's totally in the right. Of course. 100%. We're just kids. They just kind of, they gave us the match for uh, Ted's brother's, uh, like, memorial. You know, they're, and part of the proceeds went to charity. They're just, uh, they're just, really, it's a donation. Well, our match, you know, it's a total charity match. And, like, here we are doing their guys' stuff and, like, and then debating about how we should be allowed to because we did it, you know, different or whatever. Right. Is that that's so that was you were sixteen? Yeah. And when did you get signed to WWE? Uh twenty six. So ten years like I, I know we've talked about that a little bit, but just Yeah. Like, the fact that you have your ten years later to get signed and you're still a young dude at twenty six. Yeah, yeah. Back then, yeah, twenty six yeah, was. Ten years like in between yeah, it's true. You you know, like for me, and obviously I've grown and gotten smarter, but at the time I'm thinking, okay, I did this match at 16, you know, eight. Okay, I understand you probably ought to be 18, 18, though. You know, and I have, you know, maybe Davey, these guys, Brad will, you know. And then uh, the next year was uh, the Montreal thing and all. And even then, you know, I'm just thinking, oh, whatever. I, I still like WWF, WWF, WWF. And then... Uh, 18, um, now it turns 19, 1999, Stampede Wrestling uh, did like a restart where now they're started in Calgary and they have a TV deal in 99, 2000, they have a TV deal. So at the time I'm on those shows, I mean, not all of them, but I'm on, you know, enough of them. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is, you know, I'm 19 years old and I'm thinking this stuff's pretty cool. And I'm starting to learn at that time. I'm a lot getting smarter. I know that I have to respect everybody. Not that I didn't before, but now I'm understanding all the rules. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm, I'm in there actually wrestling adults, full-grown adults now. And uh, that'll, that'll, at a young age, at 16, 17, 16 is when I actually went to the dungeon for the first time. I actually wrestled that WWF match before we actually trained with Bruce and Ross Hart. So once I started training with them, which was right after that, that's when I had, uh, I guess, the smart. It's not really beaten into me, but you're getting thrown around on that dungeon mat by 300-pound guys. You start to realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm just a dumb kid. So you weren't in, like, the fake school that those guys – wait, so Ross – there's so many hearts. I get so confused. Oh, yeah. So Ross and Bruce – Bruce had that legit training camp at the dungeon. Okay. Smith ran the – Which is the one, like – Bizarro one in Toronto. Yeah. Or outside Which Cambridge, Ontario. Storm go to? Like, oh yeah, Lance went to one that Keith kind of Keith attached his name to in Okotoks with Jericho was Jericho right. went there and but you were in the legit in the basement yeah yeah and uh, three times a week yeah you know I'd go to school and I'd, after school on Wednesdays take the bus up there straight from school wrestle 
take the bus back home or maybe, you know, bum a ride from somebody and then uh, Saturday and Sunday. Well, how'd you get involved with all these, these this clan? Man, this... Are you, you're like an adopted son, basically, right? Yeah, you know, in, in a way, it's basically like that. I, uh, I went to school with Teddy Hart. So, I mean, that in itself is about a... So, from, like, age five, kindergarten stuff? Uh, no, he came to my school in about... I was nine. I was in fourth grade. And uh, I caught some kind of vibe from him. I didn't want to be around him. So, fourth grade, we were not friends. I can only picture <laughs> 12, 11-year-old Teddy Hart. Just up to... Oh. And, like, we all had those guys when we were that like age. And I know him already. Uh, I already have a picture of him. Just picture him now, just with shorter hair and smaller. Right. Probably not, he's probably, probably still, like, Jack, though. Uh, yeah, you know, he always was an athlete, Ted. I was not. I was real skinny and, like, not... I was pretty frail. And he, he was always... Even when he... We were always, like, the same size. So he was, you know... Kind of a little bit shorter, a little bit taller than me, but a bit thicker, you know, and always like he always had an athletic physique. So how, how does he rub you the wrong way right away? Oh, uh, and rubs he's up some scam on the class, he's trying to get a, get away with an A. Okay, well, no scam, but here's a story that a good friend of both of ours, mine and uh, the guy he tagged with, Andrew Bukarnik, he went to school with Ted since kindergarten till Ted came to my school, and uh. This guy's still a very good friend of mine. Whenever I go back home to Calgary, I visit with him. And so he told me great stories about Ted, young Ted. <laughs> young Ted gets up in front of the class in about second grade and ex- gets everybody's attention and explains to them that Santa Claus does not exist. <laughs> it is actually their parents. He found out from his dad and there's no Santa and he's breaking some of these kids' hearts, right. you know. On his pedestal. Like, I think the same. I like think the C- same. Any CNN for him. <laughs> and I think the same thing happened uh, for the Easter Bunny, too, that year. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, Ted, and my, when he came to my school, um, you know, he's mouthy. I mean, so am I, too. But some reason, maybe also because he was a good athlete and just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But fifth grade, now we're in the same class. And uh, our desks are all put together in, like, squares, like... Two desks beside each other facing two desks. And that's the way the teacher, for some reason, has this set up. And Ted and I had a mutual friend. So, like, we're both in the same little block. And I remember clear as day, the end of the day, I told my friend, I said, I, I don't know, man. Ted's kind of, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. He's real loud. Let's, let's move our desk a little bit out of the way. So I move my desk a little bit to the left. And then my friend moves his. And I can't remember who the third guy was in our little square. But he moved his, too. And the next day, Ted came in and goes, hey, guys. Somebody moved all the dust but didn't move mine. And this is like sounds like a lying story, but it's dead true. Then he moves his in, and then it was like, okay, there's no getting rid of him. And for whatever reason, we just became friends. He, I remember he'd always tell me about how he lived in a gym. And as a 10-year-old kid, you're not thinking a weightlifting gym. I'm thinking gym like my gym class. I'm like, Ted lives on a gym floor with basketball nets right. and a floor hockey net? Does he play dodgeball every day? He, wake, he wakes up playing dodgeball. That's <laughs> a great, yeah. You know, and I, I'm like, do you have a school cafeteria at your house? And he's like, no, oh, yeah, you know, my uncle's Bret Hart. And I'm thinking, it, it sounds dumb, but in Calgary, you actually, you run into a lot of kids that, you know, even make this up. It sounds weird now to say, but I remember uh, the next year when Ted and I were friends, Ted, we were playing street hockey and had some altercation with some kid, and then 
this kid was like, you don't want to mess with me. My uncle's the British Bulldog. It's like, of all the people he could say. Right. And he's lying, and that's actually Ted's uncle. You know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> what, a, what kind of world is this? I remember at camp years ago, and this one kid always brings it up to me. I told, which is funny and a whole other story, but I told him my uh, my uncle was Greg Ganya, but I was talk- talking about the... Minnesota Twins shortstop at the time. Gotcha. Yeah. But, like, I don't know why I made that up. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as kids, everyone's always telling stories, you know. But uh, so, anyway, Ted, he's finally convinced me, told me that he, at his gym, he also had uh, an ice cream store. And to come, hey, just come over. And if worst case scenario, have some ice cream and leave. And he lived. I lived really close to the school, and he just lived across the bridge. So I go there to his house, and, like, first person he introduces me to is this woman on, on an exercise bike, and he says, this is George. And I say, hi, hi nice to meet you, you know. And uh, I'm thinking, why is that introducing me to, like, gym members? This is my first time at his house. And I see that it's a bodybuilding gym, a workout gym, not, like, my school gym. So that's, like, I'm, like, taken back and intimidated by all these people these like strong big guys working out and like i said he introduced me to george well it turns out george is his mom i've never heard him call her george uh, call her mom, mom. ever it's yeah. george oh really george is ted's mom and that's what he has always called her Since george. He was, wow that's weird and then he introduces me to his dad named b bj hey this is b okay i find out there's parents and i see that he really does there is uh they serve ice cream there and a lot of the stuff that Ted's told me as a 10-year-old kid are true. Right. Why do you serve ice cream in a gym? I don't know. Maybe that's his... That, have, you, maybe, have you thought about this? That might be the circle that keeps him coming back. <laughs> that might be, yeah, be That might be one of those like trouble circles like, I can't get a job because I don't have education. Right. I don't have education because I can't get a job. One of those types of things. And if you own the gym, you, you own the gym. feed him ice cream on the way out. Like, yeah. Like, go back to the gym. Well, I know they'd make shakes there, and it was like an option with the ice cream. And right. probably someone thinks like, oh, I worked out. You know, hey, I'll have some ice cream in that shake. They have the ice cream, and then maybe... A few hours later, their pump goes away, and they're like, hey, I'm soft yeah. from that ice cream. I'm going to go work out tomorrow. And I don't know. And as a kid, I guess you don't think of it as a – if there's any kind of ice cream, you're probably like – you don't care about the protein no. shakes. You're like, as an a, ice cream parlor. As a kid, I don't care. Yeah, I just, it's an ice you know, cream parlor. Ted's brought me to his house. He he had – there was um, this floor where we actually could play floor hockey. It was like uh, – not tile. I don't know what. But it's, anyway, it's like a hard surface floor area. He didn't live in the heart dungeon or the heart house, did he? No, they had a house above the gym. Okay. And this is downtown Calgary. Okay. And so that actually just two weeks ago got torn down. The gym? The gym is torn down. Really? Two weeks ago. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty right. crazy. So, uh, so then you, so you have friends with Teddy. Teddy takes you to the wrestling world. Yeah, Teddy brings me to his now from there. Hey, come to my grandfather's house. They have a wrestling ring outside. Uh, there's did you these, love wrestling before this all came to you, or did like? Um, well, I used to watch wrestling when I'd see it, but my mom. I live with my mom and two sisters, so like, picture me as a young kid. I watched wrestling, and now I want to try what I saw on TV. There's no disclaimers at the time. The, now the disclaimers, you can't try it. Can't, can't try not to. You at all. You cannot try it at home. <laughs> you can't. The disclaimer will stop you. But yes. at the time, no disclaimer. Right. So I would see it, and I'd want to try it. You know, and my sisters are both younger, so I could kind of do some moves on them and then uh my mom shut that down fast i was not allowed to watch wrestling so i'd sneak over and if my mom wasn't home or i was with my cousins i'd watch wrestling but i couldn't figure out at the time i as a kid i couldn't figure out what time it was on and like like i said i wasn't allowed to watch so if i got caught i'd be in trouble imagine 
the difference between like now with DVRs and internet. Oh yeah, even YouTube to watch wrestling as a child. Because like yeah, you never like you had to go to the eye of the paper and you had to look up the, the yes. TV week. Yes, and the bars going across like what time, what stuff was at. Oh, uh, and like my mom would always have the TV guide, you know, like Friday newspaper or whatever, and you look through it exact. And I'd have I'd look through to find wrestling, be like, oh, is my mom gonna be home at this time? And I'm looking, and it's like, oh yeah, this is like in five days. I don't is. And now, exactly like you're saying, even oh, for even for me now, awesome. I watch YouTube. That's how I find every right. a match will pop in my head that I can vaguely remember, and I'll pop it into YouTube, and there it is. That's and as a kid, we were like, "That's what's going to happen in the future," and like now it is the future. Is. We could do that. Now we live in the future. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if everyone. Man, I wonder if I, I hope kids are taking advantage like that. I don't. I don't know if it's. Does it make us like age us? What's that? Does that age us? Ex- no, explaining I'm saying, that. Like maybe we're better fans for our devotion. How, how crazy we had to be to to just watch one shitty night of Saturday night wrestling. Oh my god! Like, and, and did you have like horrible Cal? You did, it wasn't WWF. That was it. Calgary wrestling. Oh uh, no, we uh, this time there was Stampede and uh, and WWF was, was on. Stampede on the same level as WWF, or was that were you out? Even so, let's say as like a six year old or eight year old kid, were you always like, "Ooh, I know that WWF's better." Uh, I think their presentation was better, but at the time, like Stampede was hot in Calgary, like it, towards eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, and then eighty nine was its last year. Those years were hot, and there was, it was still. I mean, Davey had come back there, and Dynamite too. So like you'd seen them on WWF TV, and now here they are back in Stampede. But it is WWF was bigger, and we knew that. And but you could see. Like I said, by presentation alone. Right. But uh, still, the fact that it was local, I think, is why everybody really liked it. And then um, it would be on Saturday. It would be one would follow the other. It would be Stampede, then WWF. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can compare. And it, yeah, it would be on the thing. Pretty sure it was on the same channel. It would be one and the next. Oh, wow. So you shut down the uh, dungeon. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> you were so you were so good. That was your claim in Florida, right? Yeah, that used to be my old. I had to come up with some kind of catch or some sort of tag, so that would be what I'd say. But uh, the truth is I just happened to be around. I um, I lived at the guest house up until the house was sold for the last few years. And actually, when the house was sold, there was the guy they sold it to was going to allow us to still live in that guest house and kind of keep an eye on the property until... This is like October and was going to keep us there till at least April. So we like we weren't looking for a place to move or anything. They said, no, they wanted us there. Well, something had happened where they, when they bought the house, they bought everything in it too. But one of the members of the family took two chairs, and the guy that was in charge, he had to tell the guy. So he tells him, "Oh no, these chairs are gone." Well, this guy says, "Okay, that's it. I don't know. I don't know anybody from anybody else. I want everybody out of this property tomorrow by noon." So I get a knock on my door at 5 p.m. Hey, tomorrow by noon, you got to be out of here now. So I'm like, "What?" So I. And I'm staying at my friends for a couple of weeks till we got an apartment. But from there, when they came and knocked on my door, it was the same day as the last practice. We go over to the dungeon, and then uh, next thing you know, we're ripping up the mats, ripping, pulling out the canvas, pulling everything out of there. And uh, so, I mean, that's when and like they've have they t- torn down the hard house? No, no it's still there. It's um, been renovated, and it's actually uh, a green. It's a greenhouse now. In terms of like, uh, they didn't preserve any of it. They. They yeah they restored a bunch of stuff and they kind of they renovated it and it's it's still there it looks a little different they actually went back to how it used to look a long time ago like with this green roof and uh, it's a greenhouse in terms of 
energy efficiency or something now, <laughs> which is the exact opposite of what it used to be, 100% the exact opposite. So, I mean, I guess in terms of uh, the ozone layer, that's a good thing. Right. Was, was it like, was it madness? Were like people crying or uh, do you remember anything? Um, yeah, I, it was definitely overall sadness. It was, I was in a state of shock just in terms of like, I have, you know, under 24 hours to get out now and get all my stuff and move it all. And I mean, whatever, got all taken care of. But How many people were living there like one time? Uh, before that, like... What was the most t- amount of people? Oh, like, Because you guys man. would tell the story that you go to breakfast and there's fucking 19 people. So, Dude, you know. Sunday dinners would be like the most unreal, like... It turned into at one point, I remember when I was first getting invited and I was like, wow, this is such an honor. And it, and it was, but later on it just became like, where it becomes like a rib and you can invite anybody right, like, oh, <laughs> this guy's hilarious. Bring this guy. Brent to- Chisholm, right? Harry's favorite, Brent Chisholm. But like all those, those types oh, of people. Yeah, millions. I remember this one guy, uh, they called him uh, Sugar Ray. The first time I ever- Singer? I wish. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sugar Ray. No, and not even the boxer. Yeah. Some other guy that I don't know why his name Sugar Ray. And he just was talking. It was the only time I ever met him was this one Sunday dinner. And this is like, I don't know, maybe 2000 or 90. And he's just like, Papa Stu, Papa Stu. Remember when you wrestled the snake, Papa Stu? Oh. And and Stu, you know, he's like hard of hearing. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you better eat all your food there. And he's talk, and then he's like, "Hey, Papa Stu, Papa Stu, remember when you wrestled the tiger? That was I was so scared for you, Papa Stu." And I, I was just like, "What is this guy? Ta- he's just making this stuff up." I, I've seen the picture of Stu with the tiger and maybe wrestling a bear, but this guy's talking about snakes and like alley, and he's just going on, and everything to him is like the. And in a way, it was like almost touching or cool where everything yeah, to him. Yeah, but that's your house. Everything to him was the coolest thing in the world. But it's like, oh, my God, this iced tea, Papa Stu. This iced tea, have you ever tasted such good iced tea, Papa Stu? And you're like, okay, I get it. And, and like I said, it just became where it would be like. Who was responsible for Sugar Ray? I'm thinking Smith. Smith. Smith's responsible for a lot of, uh, a lot of funny guys. The outcast. Um, he's the oldest, so I don't know. See the Puerto Rico, the one. Yes, in Puerto Rico? Okay. yes, that's him. The one that uh, I think he just sometimes breaks the rules to know he's alive. He likes to just. I think he just likes to pull people's tails a bit and see what kind of reaction they get. And if if they give him a reaction, he'll pull it a little bit more and a little bit more. And if they don't give him a reaction, he'll pull a little more and a little more. So regardless, Smith's gonna do whatever it takes to try to get under your skin. And who who's like the 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 most like normal heart? Uh, is there a normal heart? Yeah, you know, there's a few. Uh, definitely, I think the the opposite would probably be um, Ted's mom. Actually, Georgia is probably like she will do anything for anybody, and uh, so it's funny that you know she deals with Ted on a right. daily basis, hourly basis, maybe. Oh man! So you you, you get done with it? Like you had? I mean. When did we bumped into each other in Ring of Honor in 2003? Yeah, 2003. Yeah, and uh, and were you at MLW? And no, you weren't on those MLW shows. Punker was. Were you on with Punk? No, I was on a later one with like Daniel Bryan was there, Bryan was there, Loki, uh, M Dog was he there? Yep, M Dog was there. Yes, sir, he was. Yeah, my man. Uh, but like, so you had this whole. I mean, story career before you got to WWE. You were a road traveler. And like, uh, and even when you got signed, just like me, you know, we were stuck in uh, purgatory. I like to call it. <laughs> you know, like, just uh, when you get called up, then it's true. And I talk about that a lot of times with the with some of the guys, and even with my friends that aren't signed. And it's 
it's true you're you're in there and you don't you're hoping for a light at the end of the tunnel but you don't actually know if if it's gonna come or say say if for whatever reason you knew for sure but you don't know when and you're just every day you're kind of wondering like okay well should i do something real crazy today or should i just like keep going like i'm if my stuff's pretty steady should i just keep going pretty steady and eventually i'll catch a break or do i just like flip a total 180 and try something totally nuts and off the wall and then all of a sudden that catches and i'm on the road the next week right. and you don't it's great that you say that like i you never such know a thing that goes through my head even today like i'm like if i was to go back like like maybe I'd just be like I don't give a fuck and do so, but then I'm like my plan was still it's slow and steady. Your plan was that too, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. My plan was just like, hey, you had to you had to eventually it, to realize. And I think it's because it's the same thing as as you as what you're saying is like you'd been I'd known of you for a long time before I ever met you, Coke Van. I had heard of you, I'd seen your work, and you know that you got signed finally. By being what you'd done and, and the work, the body work you'd put out. And so it was you, a slow and steady. Yeah. It was t- 10 years of wrestling before. Exactly. Years, and, yeah. and you, you know, you had punk before you and I, you know, I had my guys and you just are kind of like, okay, why would I change anything so drastically now? Sure. Little things here and there, maybe pointers by whoever, or maybe someone sees a different direction or whatever in a small way, but you're not thinking, okay, well, this is what got me here. So now I'm going to throw all this away and be total 180 and be like, Hey, I'm going to try like a boogeyman type character all of a sudden. Well, let's talk. Who have we seen that has done that? Who uh, comes to mind? Like a but, DJ Gabriel, maybe? Like he just yes. started dancing? Yeah, he just started dancing and like, and it worked for a second. And then when I came up on the road, the main thing I heard is like, why is this guy dancing? And I was like, but when he wasn't dancing, nobody like called him up at all. Right. You know what I mean? And even, um, and the guys even did the opposite. In a small way, like Ricky Ortiz had always was over the top and, you know, had his deal. And then but towards, I think that was case in point of the agent. They really got in his head. That's true. And I think that happens to a lot. And he became tried to be very serious and and that's fine. But I don't think that was his style and that wasn't his like his niche. You know what I mean? Right. And then next, you know, he's gone. Who are some guys that just flitched, flip, flick? Switch <laughs> flip the switch flip the switch i'm trying to think uh in terms of like their work or just their their overall mentality and went nuts because yeah. that could be a lot of guys do we have them uh johnny curtis yeah but then now i could call him up but now he's putting that on uh i mean it's i not, haven't watched it's not on tv in america TV. but it's on tv in south america you guys are south america shit. and in my homeland of canada but is he doing crazy, Kurt? Yeah, he's crazy, Kurt, and it is amazing. And the best part is, is like, over time, that's him. Right. Like, earlier when I first met Johnny Curtis was, and not that he's not now, but it, like the nicest, most humble, just... Loves wrestling. Just yes, and just spot. straight by the book guy. Right. And then now, then he like started acting this crazy character, almost like a Brian Pillman type kind of thing. And like, he's still the same guy but he's like he's become this guy in a way and his stuff on uh tv is great or like when i watch it on the monitor or whatever it's amazing i love it yeah NXT. yeah well i've seen his tweets yeah i didn't know if that was portraying with the nxt yes the tweets definitely portrayed it like what he has become in and out of the ring um but you so did you didn't so you like the hearts. It was you, Harry, and and Natty. Like were the hearts that were in developmental. Yeah. But like they they got called up before. Uh, that was with Ted. 
when Ted right. when Teddy was signed. Yeah, but you were there with them. Yeah, I I'd was. I'd love to know what was like like what was going through your yeah, mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the time I was thinking so. Teddy was signed, Natty and Harry, and then they all got called to OVW. Right. And they, you know, Nova had called them up, Mike Bucci, and said, hey, we have this idea, this heart foundation idea. So now here I am, you know, and I understand this. I understand the story, how it goes. And so they, they go to OVW, and now I'm just, I'm fine. I already have friends and stuff here in Florida, but I'm like, okay. But that's what, that's supposed to be with you. These guys are going to go to TV, and, and then here I am. I'll just be on the road, and I'm... At that time, honestly, what I'm banking on in the back of my mind is hopefully it works, and then, like, they kind of need a fourth body. You know what I mean? That's that's what I'm thinking at the time. Like, please. No, I don't want any of them to mess up. I'm thinking do really well. The opposite. Do really well, and then keep, like, pu- pushing away. Like, hey, we got this, this fourth guy that grew up with us as a kid and whatever. And they're the ultimate guys in the scummy business of wrestling. You would think they're they're the ultimate guys who would at least – if there's anyone to go to bat yeah. for you, it's your guys that you've known since you were kids. Definitely, right? because even when the at one point Creative had an idea for Harry to team up with Kofi before they ever signed Teddy, and I was signed just waiting on my work visa. And when they called Harry up, he actually suggested he said, "Well, why don't I tag with TJ? We've been a tag team for like four years now. If you're going to tag me up with somebody, why don't I tag with someone I'm really comfortable with, and we can work on whatever you want us to work Not on." The random Jamaican. <laughs> and uh, Harry had a point with I mean I, Harry and Kofi I watched a couple of their OVW matches it wasn't bad but it's just like if you're going to portray Harry as the third generation out of the Hart family and team up with randomly I guess on his world travels he ran into Kofi on the beaches of Jamaica <laughs> right? and thought you know what I think this guy's going to be really good for me yeah, it would make a great like early 90s movie I think <laughs> I agree it, it is like a real life you know rush hour or something right? yeah. rush hour for Harry and Kofi on the beaches of Jamaica have you I mean you toured in New Japan right yes how many tours did you do I did five so you did five so but I, I, I want to know like as uh, you know being a doing the You've had your ups and downs in the WWE, but like you know, you've you did the thing in WrestleMania. You've had yeah. all these awesome moments. I mean, does it? Do you look at them differently than your tours of Japan or your tours of Europe? Yeah, I think you know. For me, um, I I was honored to go to Japan and definitely like New Japan. It's Dynamite Kid had been there, Brett. You know, everybody that so many guys had passed with even you know Chris Jericho. Uh, Definitely through that's that was a stream almost Calgary. Was. Yeah, uh, there was a time where they were. I mean, in the early '80s, they were working together and right. like Liger and uh, Cobra, uh, Fujinami actually did a Stampede show before. So like they had a they definitely had a working arrangement before. And so um, when Ross Hart had actually hooked that up with Tokyo Joe for me to start training with him and then to possibly get a tour. And then, uh, so, I mean, I, it was like we were saying, I thought, hey, I was 16, I did this WWF match, I'm going to be signed pretty soon. And there's a 10-year gap in between. And in that time in between, I I guess I filled my time. Uh, we had the Matt Rats thing for a oh, little yeah. bit. Good old Matt Rats. <laughs> uh, Matt Rats to me was hilarious because we actually had a guy that, like, ha- you know, had a condo for Ted and I. So we're living in this condo. We're not actually doing anything, but they're paying our condo. They're giving us money. You know, we're making a living doing nothing. We're sitting around. Oh, we're we're training. Teenagers. Yeah, I was 20 years old. Okay. And, and we're training all these young guys, like 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And, I mean, at their studio. And there's, you know, awesome facility. And we're going there four or five days a week. And, like, 
No one's bothering us. We have like run of the mill at this place, and we're getting what a paycheck every Monday or something. Uh, it was so sporadic, but like they, you know, we'd go there. We talk these guys. Somebody just says like I have this idea. Well, Ted Carney, somebody into like. Um, no, actually, it's so funny. You would that's what you would think, right? That's what anybody would assume off the bat. But actually, um, Stampede Wrestling when it had its TV deal for the first few months was with this cable company in Calgary and then they had a falling out and this guy's company happened to come along. Well, anyway, he's at this one show and he said he'd seen some of the matches and was some of the bigger guys that, you know, really lazy or whatever on a certain day and he was about to leave and the next match was Ted and I. And then he, his quote that he'd always told me was there was some t- point where Ted clotheslined me and he went flying and the bump I took went fly- – so he said, like, we land on the opposite sides of the ring. And for whatever reason, that that's what, like, Spectism. brought up – Yeah, and he was like, wait a minute. What about a promotion of, like, where there's an age limit is 21, like uh, like that group Ricky Martin was a part of? Menudo? Yeah, you know, there's, like, an age limit. I don't know if, like, that's what sparked his idea or just happened to be the same – but it was supposed to be like 21, once you're 21, uh, once you're 22, you're out. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> so from like 18, 17 to 21, you're cool. You got those four you years. Professional wrestling. You got those four years, but after those four years, it's, you know, take you behind the shed, old Yeller style right. or something. I don't know what happens to you after those four years. And then, and then Bischoff gets involved. Yeah. Then we did a show and um, Bischoff wanted to come see it. So, you know, they flew Bischoff out. He came and saw it. After the match, you know, he had Was a lot Wayne of. from the Wonder Years there? Uh, yes, he's at this one too, okay. old, old Wayne. Uh, Hervey? Yeah, Jason Hervey. Right. They're there, and at this time, WCW hadn't been sold to WWF yet, and Bischoff was banking on this company, his buying WCW. And we're going in one time to go talk to the the boss there named Graham Owen, going to go talk to him, and he's like, yeah, Bischoff has this idea where you guys have a match on Nitro and all this, and I'm like, you know, I'm... I was always a WWF guy, but I'm thinking, like, man, this would be pretty insane if, like, we're on Nitro all of a sudden? What? And then, of course, that didn't happen if the deal fell through. Uh, I think think Turner took the TV slots out, so then Bischoff's company, or the company he was getting to look at it, was kind of like, well, now we're just buying something with no TV slots. This is nothing to us. It's a library. But to WWE, that library is... Gold. Yeah, Yeah, total gold. So... Ooh, what if they owned the Matt Rats collection? <laughs> hey. Who owns the Matt Rats collection? I don't know. I guess in a way, uh, I don't everybody. know. Yeah, I guess kind of everybody. Yeah. Whoever has the tapes owns the – it's nine-tenths of the law possession. What, what other uh, random things did you hit up before so you So Matt Rats, um, from Matt Rats, the I next thing that, was yeah. definitely New Japan. New Japan, then I did that Ring of Honor show. Mm-hmm. Uh I remember Carino just telling me what a big fan he was of yours. Yeah, um, someone else had told me that one time. And when I watched the MLW, we did those two, uh, the weekend of MLW shows, and he was commentating. And he was he was saying all kinds of stuff like about me. all about you? Yeah, and I was, was like... creeper? <laughs> and I'd known him, like, once I started uh, training for Japan, I, I really got into it. Harry was a lot more into the Japanese style than me. But once I started doing the training, you know, six, seven days a week, it was like... Either you would absolutely hate it and not go back, or you had to dive in and love it. And I ended up loving it, and I'd get the magazines every week from my trainer. And I, so, I mean, I knew definitely knew, I knew Steve Crino from ECW and stuff, but I'd I'd seen the Zero One pictures, and obviously can't read a lick of those magazines. Right. I'm not like Harry, where I can read the word Smith, and I scan through the magazine for the word Smith anywhere. <laughs> I'm just looking at pictures. So, I mean, I that's where I started to get a grasp of actually a lot of guys that were over there at the time, like Punk and Samoa Joe. Carino and all these other guys that were over in zero one and like I'd see uh, that time was Noah had started, 
So, I mean, so from New Japan, then I did um, Jersey. I did a Jersey All Pro show once. Right. Uh, I didn't do too many like American indies. It was always kind of scary crossing the border with, uh, you know, there's no work visa and like you got to lie to the guy or whatever. And I mean, it's not a really a big deal, but at the time, at the, at the time, you know, I'm so scared. Like, but Ted, Ted has dual citizenships. When I did the ring of honor with Ted, he would take my gear and I would just hold his like video camera. And I was acting like I was just going to go tape his matches. I'm a big fan of Big Teddy Hart fan, maybe the biggest. You know, I'm going to go record him. You had it all mapped out in your head, and they were probably like, okay, going through. And you yeah. Didn't say anything. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, but next time I'll yeah. get him. Next time I'll get him. Okay, that, save that one. I didn't use it today. Uh, you said the New Japan training thing. Uh, you're an animal when it comes to training. Yeah, I tried it. You know, I. Disgusting. Do you still do the like 300 squats in the morning when you wake up? No, I've. You were doing that in Florida. I, I was, I was yeah. doing, uh, yeah, 500 a day. I did it every day for a year just to like try it out. Just to do it. Yeah, and I did it, and I just and after a year, I was like, okay, now I'll just switch to a hundred. And I was doing a hundred every morning, and then now I've just got into some different workouts where I've just kind of stopped that for a bit. But uh, you know, now talking here, I think I might go back to it a little bit. Yeah, the the hundred, maybe not, maybe not the five. I'll leave the five. You know, that was before I was thirty. So like, you know, my Japanese trainer always said, hey, before thirty is okay. After thirty, you know, a little bit slowing down, okay? Yeah. So. That's- I- I use, I'll take his advice. What's his name again? Tokyo Joe. Tokyo Joe. Yeah. And you speak very fondly of him. Yeah, you know, he, man, the the lessons he taught me were true, like, more than just wrestling. It was life lessons, absolute respect lessons, you know what I mean? He, that guy, he took training and, like, wrestling and dissected it and put it all into, like, a different level where, like, after you're done a six-hour session with him and there's only three of us, so it's not like... You're hiding in a group of 30 guys hiding, and we have one ring and three guys. And when it was getting ready for my first tour, I'd wrestle one of the guys for 30 minutes. Next guy for 30 minutes, I'd get a little break, and I'd wrestle both of them again for another 30 after doing like an hour and a half of squats and, you know, any kind of other Japanese torture that they love to do. And you did this, and this is why, you know, I think we bonded and a lot of us bonded. There's always like a separation in developmental. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you at, came from that. Like did, I, nine, 90 minutes of just – and then, you know, these guys walk in with, for the football players and whatnot. And, and w- we understand. Yeah, exactly. It's not – If they're going to offer you a contract, they are. Absolutely. But how uh, can you not – a little bit. Yeah, be, <laughs> and you know what I think? And it, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's natural to feel that way because if you didn't, if I didn't feel that way or you didn't feel that way or, you know, other people part of our group who didn't, then you're not really having pride in what you do. Like, those hours I did, I know were real. Those hours of training were real. There's no, nothing fake about, you know, 300 squats holding a little dumb 10-pound weight in your hand and then you know, all this other stuff and boxing with these weights on your wrist for 15 minutes. Nothing, you know, I couldn't just simulate that. That was real. And that's like what you did to get signed. Yeah. And that's the, and you know, I wasn't, I, to be honest, when I listened to a lot of your podcasts and you're talking about all the traveling you did, I never did any of that. I never got in my car and drove 400 miles here, another 300 here. I never did that. I would hop in a van sometimes in Stampede and do these shows. And when I'd go to Japan, my first flight there, I was absolutely petrified. Once I got on the plane from Vancouver to Tokyo, there's no turning back. I'm on this plane. I can't, hey, can you like take me back to Vancouver? I'm kind of homesick already. I don't really want to go. That's a test. Do you actually want this? And like to be signed out of a different world and come here without 
that kind of experience or like the kind of training I did or your travel, that's how you know if you actually want this or not. And to me, we wouldn't be taking pride in what we do if there wasn't, at le- I mean, as people, of course, we get over it. But if there wasn't that initial like, hey, wait a minute, this guy definitely didn't do what I did to get here. They wouldn't feel the same if I went and walked on, put on a pair of football pads and a helmet and were trying to take their spot. They would, they'd feel exactly the same right, way. So I think that's an absolutely natural human feeling. Well, that's deep, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> my Teddy Hardism. God bless. God, well, awesome. Well, cool, man. Here you are, uh, doing your thing. What's your favorite uh, WWE experience so far? Um, I the biggest is clotheslining, you was know, it, Vince McMahon Vince at WrestleMania. And when I got to the back, I was like, man, you. You nailed his head off the mat. It bounced a few times, and I was like, oh, really? I was like, ah. I had to hit him hard in order to break my own fall. You know what I mean? And when I watch it back, I was like, oh, damn, I did nail him. But uh, I think he was all right. He's tough. And uh, I think, to be honest, the greatest experience, I've been able to wrestle a lot of guys that I, ah, it sounds so dated to say grew up watching, but guys that truly influenced me, like a Shawn Michaels uh, Rey Mysterio, I've had a chance to wrestle these guys. And I think on the other flip side of that, the other fun part is wrestling guys that are my friends that I was wrestling in developmental. And you're thinking, you know, I can have awesome matches with these guys one day in front of thousands of people. And I've had, you know, like Trent Beretta, who I've wrestled a bunch of times, especially lately. And every time is so much fun and so creative and so different than the last time that those are the experiences that I love. And you get right. And when... We did it in front of 50 people in yes. the little arena. Oh, man. It's, 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 I'm sure it's rewarding to then be able to do it in the same style of matches in front of exactly. eight to 12,000 And to be in there with the same guys that you, you came up with and that you know share the same experiences and share the same passion and, you know, whatever. And exactly like you said, you're wrestling in front of 50 people, kind of giving it your all because you're hoping, hey, maybe this is the match someone watches and this is my break. So now you're doing it in front of a lot more people, and it's just it's just a rewarding, fulfilling feeling. And uh, so, I, do you remember when they brought the uh, the psychologists down to FCW, and they were like, they were, "This might be one of my favorite memories ever." Is this the time where we had the tennis balls? Oh, I don't even remember that. You but never, I think the same people. The same it was people. the same. It, that it evolves into one of my all-time favorite memories that I still talk about oh, a lot. That? Do you remember DJ Gabriel? Uh, everybody throws. Once we're done that whole s- psychology thing, and we all have these tennis balls for some reason, it was put one of their lessons. That was in the arena. Now we go back to the training part, and it's just the boys there, just us, no coaches, no you know. And uh, for some reason, it was always pick. Everyone wanted to pick on DJ Gabriel. I don't know if it's an OVW thing, uh, but it happened in England too. It's something about his personality. Right. You know, he's jacked and he's you know, it looks like a freak. For some reason, you can He's just pick on him. Yeah. yeah, and uh, in a loving way, not oh, not is in this a cruel. This is everybody throws uh, tennis balls at DJ Gabriel. He's in the back part, and he's running, and some are hitting them. A lot are hitting him. Yeah. Some are missing. I'm dying laughing yeah. already. But he gets a hold of one. He rolls into the ring. He has spears like right in front. Of him. Spears on the floor. So now this is going to be such a hard throw straight down. And Spears is almost like stopped and thinking like, is he actually going to throw it? And he's like, now's my chance. And he throws it and like, you know, man, I don't know if he's not athletic. Maybe just he's been playing soccer or football. (laughs) 
No, like, baseball arm throw. He nails Beverly right in the eye. As, oh. And he, throw, he threw that tennis ball with, like, years of torment from Spears and Cruel tormenting him. And he had this ball, and he throws it with all that torment. And it's an innocent girl right in the eye. And then we all shake, line up to shake John Laurinaitis' hand to leave. And she's got this swelled-up eye that's swollen shut. And the, for me, is such a great story just in terms of, like, here he is with all this frustration. Oh, he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, his big release. And uh, what were you going to say about this whole psychology uh, court? I, I remember it. Uh, I just remember the woman's like, everyone was like, well, what are you going to do after this? What are you going to do after this? And I was just like, I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a wrestler. Leave exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm in this exact same mentality. Yeah. And so, like, you know, do you. Is this. I mean, are you in it for the long run? 40, like, do you ever think about being 40, 45? What am I doing? What's what's the life? You know, I've sometimes thought about what would happen if you know an injury or something kind of out of left field like that. But I, I at the same time, I think I try not to think about those kinds of things. And I think that's what's gotten me this far. Is I don't really worry about getting hurt. I don't think about getting hurt. And I, luckily enough, you know, knock on I mean, wood. Do but, you see yourself in the wrestling industry? Um, I, you know, I would like to. I used to uh, teach a lot of young kids wrestling when uh before i was signed and who knows why people even let me that who was i to be teaching people but i had a lot of fun doing that and i wouldn't mind you know in the footsteps even of like lance stormer he's got his school i wouldn't mind one day doing that or you know even personal training something that i was maybe look at sometime when i maybe physically can't wrestle anymore right. which for you is probably when you're like 85 you're so fucking fit. If I can try to be that long. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, you are on Twitter. Yes, sir. What is uh, it? Kid WWE. Awesome, and I do follow you. And I, I follow you tweets. back. <laughs> and I, the podcast is the best thing for doing cardio. Oh, yes. Hawkins keeps debating with me about it. He's, he said he hasn't tried it yet. I said, if you try it, you'll see. And how I figured it out was one time Teddy Hart wanted to call me, and I said, hold on, give me five minutes. I'm going on the treadmill. And he called me, and I talked throughout the whole time on the treadmill, and it goes way faster than listening to songs, where there's like that little pause between the songs. Sure, and, a song's only three minutes, and, and you know that, and you're like, okay, this song's oh, this song's kind of long. It's almost five. Right. That'll knock off five out of my forty-five minutes here. But if I listen to the podcast, and I know it's an hour, and I, if I'm going to do thirty minutes of cardio or forty-five, whatever, I know that the podcast is going to go longer, so I'm gonna. I'm going to get through it before the podcast is done, and it just seems to go by way faster. I'm glad I can That's help. the key. I, I should start doing listening to my own podcast to get on the card. <laughs> there you go. Hey, it'll work. I guarantee it. Thanks, bud. Thank you. All right, there he is, Tyson Kidd. I appreciate you letting me into your home, and I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. A good friend of mine. Again, I, I believe a, an unbelievably underrated wrestler just in the world in general. And uh, such a talented dude, and such a guy who loves professional wrestling. Great to have him on the podcast this week. That's it. Uh, before we get out of here, though, let's get some plugs and... Upcoming events! All right, the best way you can support ColtMerch.com. T-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, and DVDs. Please support the podcast over at ColtMerch.com. My Twitter, at ColtCabana. Follow me. See who the next guest in the Art of Wrestling is going to be. What I have to say about the world of wrestling, or just in general, at ColtCabana. My email, coltwrestling at gmail.com. It's a public email. Go on over and send me something. Maybe you're a promoter. You want to put me on your upcoming show, convention, movie. Who knows? I'll do it. Coltwrestling at gmail.com. 
I have a P.O. box. I love getting snail mail. Getting some weird stuff lately. I always highly appreciated. Uh, that address is on the front of WeLoveColt.com. Every Monday night, myself and Marty DeRosa do a, a web series called Creative Has Nothing For You. Uh, go to YouTube slash High Spots or CreativeHasNothingForYou.com. I got the Facebook Like It AOW Podcast. We can talk about each episode each week. Upcoming events, Friday, March 16th, Berwyn, Illinois, AAWrestling.com. Saturday, March 17th, Alburn, Illinois, NAProWrestling.com. Saturday, March 24th, I'm going to be in London, England doing a live podcast. And then Sunday, March 25th, back there in London, England. This is all for Progress Wrestling. For all that information, ProgressWrestling.com. Tuesday, March 27th, Tempe, Arizona, NWAWildWest.com. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 30th, 31st, and April 1st, Miami, Florida, WrestleReunion.com, and that includes Saturday night after the Hall of Fame, a $5 wrestling comedy show with myself and Marty DeRosa. Only costs 5 bucks. It's going to be the cheapest ticket in town and the best ticket in town, except for that big show on Sunday called WrestleMania. Uh, Saturday, April 7th, Marietta, Ohio, RemixProWrestling.com. April 11th through April 29th, I will be touring Japan for Pro Wrestling Noah, noah-usa.cc for all that information if you happen to live over there. And then when I come back, Friday, May 4th, Rahway, New Jersey, back with ProWrestlingSyndicate.com. Then Saturday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, back in Chicago, Illinois, for LuchaVoom.com. That's it, guys. That's this week's episode of The Art of Wrestling. I appreciate it. For Colt Cabana, I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks. Not a good week to be Big Sid Vicious, the master and ruler of the world. Some promoter gives out my phone number at an indie show. Yeah, maybe I didn't make my flight. Let me make myself perfectly clear. My wallet was stolen at a deli. It's been a rough couple years, all right? You jump off a top rope and break your leg. Then all of a sudden people are stealing your wallet at delis and you can't get on a flight. And some indie promoter is going to give out my number. Listen, I'm waiting for John Laurinaitis to give me a call because I'm ready to make that big comeback. I've got this angle. Oh, I've got this angle. And all i got to do is talk to Johnny. He's the one who told me to jump off the second rope. He said, hey, Sid, it'll go great. Jump off the second rope. Kick animal in the head. It'll be fantastic. Well, you know what? I jumped off the rope, and I broke my damn leg. And then someone steals my wallet at a deli. God Damn it, it ain't easy being Sid. And it's Marty DeRosa. He's getting a kick in the stomach and a power bomb when I see him. Ugh. You know what? I want to do this whole thing again. Let's take it from the top. What? No? God damn it.